Stephen. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast, and thanks very much for taking the time to join us here on Not in the Ninety Two. Um, of course, Stephen is the ecstatic owner and chairman of Kingsland Town FC, who have just won promotion to the Vanarama National League. Now, Stephen, I must say, I'm surprised you haven't got a glass of bubbly in your hand right now, um, as I'm sure you'd be forgiven for having so, you know, given the, the wild celebrations that must have been in your in your household. Um, well, they weren't as wild as you thought, think they could, thought they were going to be, and they, they were quite quick and brief because... I'm just trying to think now where I was, where I found out, um, which shows you how much. I think I was here in this office where I'm speaking to you from, and um, you know, it wasn't one of it. It, it, it was a, it was a feeling of relief. Yeah, it's all over. Thank God for that. Because um, it, it, it wasn't a normal promotion, you know, where you sit on a, you watch a game at, at a stadium and then you win or you lose. You know, and if you win, you go up, and if you don't win, you don't go up. Or maybe it's a playoff game like we had last season, and it wasn't like that this time. It, it was it was it was torture. It was weeks and weeks of this and that, and being pulled one way and then another, and trying to keep things on track and keep focus. And then and then it just happened, and then it was just a relief. So. So no champagne yet, I'm sorry to say. Hmm? <laughs> and that was actually my first question. Like, um, how did you feel the moment, like the, the instinctive feeling you had when the moment you discovered you'd be a National League club? How, how would you describe that? But it, it, honestly, just it was just a relief. It's all it was. It was just pleased that it was over, pleased that it, it was finished. Um, delighted for everyone, um, for, the, for the hard work that the players put in, the manager put in, um, the director of football put in. Uh, delighted for the supporters. But it was just a... You know, for, for me, I thought, thank goodness, it's that that's over the line. Of course, it's still not over the line until the FA ratify it. But anyway, there's fingers crossed. There's not going to be another problem. But you know, but that's all it was. It was the feeling of a relief, and then and then and then, and then immediately my mind turned right. What's what's on for next season? And that's yeah, yeah. That's, that's what happened. Yeah. Of course, I mean, I mean, on that, of course, like it's still waiting FA complete official ratification of it. Um, but I mean, in terms of that, there's 19 wins from 32 games, only six losses. Now that's pretty good going for a promotion chaser of any league. Um, did you always kind of believe that Ian and the boys would get the job done in the end? Um, I didn't. I didn't go into the season thinking we're going to get promoted. Um, I wanted to stay in the league. That was my main, my main, my main objective, personal objective. But equally, I knew we had a good football team. But what I didn't know was how good the level of the other clubs were that we were going to play against. So obviously, when we when we went to play against Guiseley the first game of the season, we we you know, it was going to be a long season it looked like at that point we lost 3-0 and we couldn't complain about the result on the day we, we didn't play badly we just we were just a little bit naive and didn't take our chances and then obviously the season turned the, the next game we beat Kettering and slowly we got a bit of a momentum behind us and um, look at, at that point I'd, after a few games I decided that we were good enough and, uh, and then it just then it just you know what it's like with football it's not necessarily always about the best team winning it but it's about being who's consistent who turns up every week who, who wants it the most who's got the little bit extra in the tank after the 90 minutes when the game was on for 96 97 minutes remember we're against a lot of full-time football clubs as well which 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 which, which means it's harder because you, you know they all they do is focus all week to train against us and to play against us sorry whereas what we're doing is you know, we're, we're doing all sorts of other jobs and then we you know, once we finish those we come and we come and play whoever we're playing against so so I was you know I was pleased for them and I think they deserved it on balance over the season you know mm. although we would have rather you know we would have rather played the season out but it is what it is mm? yeah 100% totally. uh, so yeah, Steve I want to go back to when you bought the club um, so I want to start off with why did you buy Kings Lynn and what did you see in them that just thought this has got the potential to really take off. Well, 
as a club, if you look at their history, and I, I went a bit into their history before I bought them, they, they used to have some great crowds. They're a big name in the non-league field. And everyone often, when you speak to people, they'd say they think that they were in the National League. You know, those that weren't playing week in and week out, week in and week out with, with non-league. They were, they would just think they were up in that higher echelons of the, of, of, of the non-league system, which obviously wasn't the case. So... I thought, I looked at that, I looked at the crowd potential, I looked at the fact there was only one club in, I mean, I, I live in Norfolk, so it, it, I, I couldn't afford Norwich, and, and the reality is I couldn't do anything with Norwich because they do perfectly well without me. So the only thing I could, the only club where I could add some value, really, was Kings Lynn. I mean, that was, that was, the, that was the, the second biggest club in Norfolk, and I just thought, well, that's the only one really there is to go for. It's the only one with real legs which can go, to, can go, to, can go somewhere. So... Um, so that was it. That, that, that was the reason why I settled on it. My, my wife said, if you're going to buy a club, unless you're going to move us all, you have to buy one in Norfolk. So, uh, I, and also, I, looked, I was looking at you know, what, what I felt could happen. And, and you know, Norfolk's a big county. I can't remember if it's the biggest or the second biggest in the UK. I forget which. But it's, it's one of those two. And, and, and there's only one professional football club in it. So we, there's plenty of room for two. And, and, and I just felt there was the, you know, there, there was the, if we, got, if we got everything in a row, we got our, we got our got our you know, ducks in a row I didn't make too many mistakes that maybe we, we had a shot at doing that and that, and that was that was the basic the reason behind it yeah. and you also said you wanted to make the club the centre of the community and get people back into the stadium do you think you succeeded at doing that I haven't succeeded no I mean, I mean we, it's, 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 a, it's a process I think we're always on a process and we're the process has started um, and we're standing up a charity called Linux in the Community, which is at the moment a charity commission being set up. Um, we are, we formed the company and the, well, the lawyer's doing it all. I'm not doing it. It's too beyond my pay grade. But, but that's part of it. But there's only part of it. And what, what we needed to do was... You know, the previous owner, Buster Chapman, did a great job in, in, in forming the club and re reforming it and taking it to one level. And then re reality is he was split two ways because he's involved in Speedway in a big way, which is his, his passion, his love, and obviously the football club. So and it takes up a lot of time. So I, I think from my perspective, um, there were little things that we did, small wins, you know, getting the mascots in and doing... Um, you know, sending out last year, we sent out Christmas cards to all the season ticket holders who were, who were under 16, you know, signed by the squad. Um, and yeah, we make we made the season tickets pretty ex inexpensive for for um, uh, under 16s. I think they were 20 pounds last season, so yeah, you can't complain at that in today's day and age. So, but that's just the children's side. Obviously, there's other sides, there's, there's, and, and that's what we need to expand into. We need to do. We need to be involved in looking after people with mental health issues. I mean, we have got several people who have mental health issues who come to the ground, but they were coming a few years ago, but they're coming now. And, you know, they feel safe to come there. And, and it's just bringing in segments of society and making ourselves in the centre of that, of, that, of that bed and having those guys around us and, and doing what we can to help out others. That's really what it's all about. You know? So we'll see how we get on over the next few years. Another thing that caught my eye, actually, uh, when you joined, you actually said there was two separate supporters groups. Um, is that does that change now? Is now is there one official supporters, one supporters group, and everything? Everything feels a bit more united at the club. No, that's the same. Um, sadly, it's not. We've got an official um, supporters group called Friends of the Linnets. I mean, there is a crossover. There are some fans who are on both committees, and then there's something called the uh, the the. Uh, what are they called now? It's a, it's a trust-based yep, supporters group, but they're not actually a really a supporters group. They are a they are a trust which has an aim of owning part of the football club, and 
Um, some of those, shall we say that there's a, sec there's a, there's a range of people on, uh, in that group. And some of those are not, they're not anti the football club, they're just pro anything that's pro the club. So they would just join both and they come to the, they support the Friends of the Linux, they're involved in that and they're also involved in the trust. The problem with the trust was that we could never get any money out of them and we could never, yeah, we, we said to them, would, would they like to be involved in the club? And recently, and, and I, say, I said, what, what would it be that you would be offering? And they kind of just knocked back the situation and said, well, you know, as if to say, look, we, we've got 70 grand in the bank. Whatever we give you is not going to be a meaningful stake. So therefore, there's no point. That was their cut. They didn't say that, but that was the kind of feeling I picked up from the conversation. So, so the reality is, it's not that I'm opposed to them um, or against them or whatever it's just that it's a group with a particular aim which in my aim in my eyes is achievable what they what they want is a a voice and a say and yeah, there's nothing wrong with that and, and we can have a voice and a say but you don't need to be a part of the trust to do that we 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 we, we, we for example the charity committee's got six or seven uh trustees on it yeah, I'm not the chairman of it. I'm just a trustee of that of that particular yeah, group, and 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 so there's plenty of room for people to come in and yeah, and be involved. Um, but what I didn't want to do is is well, there hasn't been a conversation to do it anyway. But that but that was it. So that it's not it's not what I would call to, it's not like there's two traditional supporters groups against each other. It's not like that. It's just one supporters group, and then there's one trust who has other other uh, not options but other aims, should we say, which they're trying to fulfil um, somehow. Yeah. I, just, I want to go to February 2017 uh, when the popular manager uh, Gary Setchell was was sacked. Um, what were your reasons for sacking him at the time? Well, sacked is a hard word, but I know it's it probably is. You know, let go of yeah is how I would like to. Remember. I mean, Gary is an infectious character. Uh, he did a lot for the football club. He he took them from where you know they, they, I think they got relegated to step six when it all collapsed, and they, they took them up to step three. So we got three promotions with them, I guess. And um, you can't you can't argue with that. You know, he 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 was always someone that was you know very 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 pro the football club. I, he still comes to games. I still see him from time to time. Occasionally at matches, it's always good to see him. And um, for me. Gary was, it wasn't that he, look, I, I, I don't know whether he had the ability because obviously the current budget is a lot higher than the budget that Gary Setcher was given. And, and, you know, we'll never know how he would have performed with the same budget. But for me, and, and the way I saw it, um, I, I had identified um, Ian Culverhouse. And for, 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 for my money, he was the best, I mean, not just the best coach in our league at the time, he was the best coach probably in non-league and possibly the best coach up to, you know, up, 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 up to high, high levels and that. I haven't obviously been a player and worked under a lot of his coaches, so it's hard to know. But I needed someone that, that, that had the understanding of football and who could, I could stamp that on the football club and make it an attractive proposition because the crowds were going down and we had to reverse that. You can't just tell fans to turn up for no reason. It's one thing if um, well, I mean, people have, I mean, Chelsea was my team as a kid growing up. And, yeah, I remember watching Chelsea when they had the crowd problems against Middlesbrough. And the next season, they had to play six games. But it was an all-ticket game. Can you believe it? People, people didn't like the fact about buying tickets in an all-ticket match. They thought that was an outrageous decision. So no one came. And I, I promise you, I watched it against Blackburn one game. I think there's 8,000 there. Yeah? At home, it's ridiculous. It's six there. So it takes time. You can't just, you know, even at Chelsea's level. You know, they obviously got the money on a different route. We haven't had that option. But but the point I'm trying to make is that it, you have to put, you have to give people a reason to come to the to, to, to the game. And so, 
with Gary, I just felt that if we were going to build a whole club and build it around, you know, it has to be built around the manager as, as one of the, the key central points to the whole thing. Uh, and I just couldn't see that working necessarily yeah, with Gary. Plus, not, and this is again, you know, not fair on Gary, but he had another job and it meant he was, he too was traveling. I mean, he puts up cabins, so he was traveling all over the country doing that. And you know, don't get me wrong, he never let me down. He always came back and he always was there for the games. But that's a hell of a job to do both. And I couldn't afford to pay him double, double bubble from one to, you know, use one of West Ham's. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So I had to, um, I, I, you know, I had to take, I had to take a decision. And what I thought was, is this the best, is this the best decision in the long-term interests in, in, of Kings in Town Football Club? And I just thought it wasn't. You know? And so I had to let him go. But it wasn't a kick him out, thank you, goodbye, never see you again. It was more, look, thank you so much for taking us where you got us to. And now we have to you know, go to the next level. And uh, I hope you understand. And I want to get on to Ian Colwell. So this is a man who was assistant manager to Paul Lambert uh, for Norwich City and Aston Villa, you know, two top clubs in the country. Do you think bringing, it, bringing him in as manager, that attracted more players and that really gave you some weight when you were um, in the negotiations for trying to convince a, a player to come to Kings Lynn? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he, he's got a great reputation. If you speak to some of the players, they tell you how good he's, what an influence he's been on their game, positive influence. And, 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 and also he has a style that yeah, he obviously plays out from the back and, and it's football. It, it's, 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 you know, should we call it liquid football? It's, you know, it's real football. It's, it's played. And so I think people like to play underneath him and for him. And um, for, for, for me, I, I, when he came, the reason we got, we got rid of Gary in February was because I wanted Ian to come in and assess what we had. We weren't going to go down. We weren't going to go up. So let's let's have a look at what we've got and see what we need to do and you know get your feet under the desk as it were there is a desk but you get the, you get the analogy and, and then try and see where we come from. So he he did that and he, and then and then obviously we it helped in the in the in the summer I think to bring in some players and 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 he also knew a little bit about the league and because he had played a few of the teams and, and got to know it. So yeah, I do I do think for sure he's a, he's a, he's a big. He's a big draw when you're when you're talking to other footballers. I mean, he was, you know, it wasn't that long ago when he was coaching uh, Christian Benteke, and and yeah. so if you look at it that way, it's, it can't be, you can't get a lot better. He's got a, he's got an A, an A license, which we have pro license, um, which is as good as it gets. Doesn't get any any higher than that, and 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 he and he brings the best out of players, and he and he encourages them. He doesn't mind mistakes. He just brings them on and, and you know talks them through the game and 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 and, and, and gets the blend right between the youngsters who are wanting to make a career in the game and where we want to be a shop window to, to display those and, and, and against the, the, the great um, experienced pros who can put their arm around them and know, where, you know how to take them along with them. And he, and he does that perfectly. So, perfect. I mean, as an owner, um, have you actually watched quite a lot of his training sessions, just see the way he works with the, with the players on, on a weekly basis and you know, his preparation for matches? Have you got to know him really well in that sense? Um, no, I, I keep out of it. Yeah. Um, obviously, I, I could probably wander down a training session if I wanted to, but I just think it's. I don't want to. I don't want to change the dynamic of it. It should all be about him, and in my opinion, him and the him and the team, and not about me. So I don't really get involved with it. In terms of the, I mean, we talk uh, about his overall strategy and his thoughts. You know, occasionally we, we sit there and we talk when he wants to bring in players about the way he wants to play and how he intends to do it um, in general terms, yep, as opposed specifically uh, about a particular but And after a game, and I often do go on the coach with, with the lads. I know a lot of um, 
yeah, not everyone does it, but I do it because it just saves saves a lot of the hassle. And um, yeah, after the game, we we'll have a chat sometimes, and you know, and, and, it, and he'll tell me what he thinks. But um, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's very, very, very good. Very knowledgeable guy to talk to about about football. And it was in his first full season um, that he finished. Uh, he got runners up spot in the in the Southern League, and unfortunately, just missed out promotion, losing to uh, Slough Town the playoff final. Uh, what were you thinking after that game? Did you think, right, let's let's come back stronger next year? Did you think that was that was a huge blow to to the plans? It, it was a massive. I mean, I was I was in a terrible. I wasn't great. Um, I had sepsis at the time. I discharged myself from hospital. The whole thing was a nightmare. Um, and then I got you know the game was boiling hot. The game was kickoff was delayed half an hour. There's a lot of fans trying to get in, and not only that, it was it was just super super hot. So. Um, we got beat in about the 87th minute from memory. Manny Williams scored for them. I won't forget his name for a while. He's not on my Christmas card list. And yeah, I just feel, yeah, I mean, we, 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 weren't, we weren't very good on the day. We froze. I don't know what went wrong with us. I'm still to this day, I've never been sure what went wrong that day. But, um, but it just happens sometimes in football. You can't always do it. Maybe we froze a big game and it could be anything. It could be a number of factors. But, but I think it did feel like a crushing blow. I wasn't, as I said, I wasn't in the best of health. Um, personally, that day, so that that wasn't you know I, I was going into a, uh, intravenous antibiotics once a day, and that's the only way I, I, they would let me get out. So, but I, so I wasn't over the moon. I also had um, a blown up leg, so I couldn't stand on. I forget what it's called now. Uh, I, I couldn't even stand up on it. Um, uh, God. Anyway, oh, um, it was cellulitis. So I had that as a part yeah, of the sepsis, yeah. and oh, that was painful. Another another nail-ending so painful. So so they were the two issues I had. So. So that was going on at the same time. The football wasn't great, but but at the end of the day, we lost the game. Uh, congratulations to Slough; they did it. They did a number on us. We can't complain. Um, and you know, did I think that was the end of the road? I thought no, but obviously it was a it was a crushing blow. Uh, but I knew equally where we had come from the season before. So we, had, we it, it was it's all about making progress and going in the right direction. So the direction was good, and we just got beaten at the last moment, and we just thought we had to come back and give yeah, give it a go another another, another time. It was um, during that summer that Ian Colvell's actually left to uh, Grantham Town. Was that, a, was that a huge shock for you? Or was, it, was that something that you may have been expecting Ian Colvell's to, to look at other options after losing the playoff final? No, no. I mean, I knew he was leaving before that. Um, we kept it quiet because I didn't think it was good for the players to, you know, to, 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 I wanted them to be focused. Um, so I think he told me in February or something that we were going to leave. And, and um, yeah, he went to Grantham Town and... Um, I, I, you know, it, it, it was sad. Yeah, it was a moment, and it, it, there was a bit of confusion around it all. And I, and I just felt, you know, um, you know, that's what he wants to do. I have to, you know, abide by that and you know, stick by it. There's not much you can do when a player wants to leave, or a manager wants to leave, etc. So, um, obviously, we recruited, we recruited Simon Clark, and that didn't work out so well, sadly. Um, and um, and then Ian returned, so which which was great. So it's, it, 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 yeah. It, 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 it was one of those things, and maybe you, know, you look back on these things, and you know, I always think sometimes coincidences, you know, maybe there's not, maybe they're, they're meant to happen for a reason. You know, that these things there are no coincidences, that there are reasons for everything, uh, and maybe you know he went and looked at another club, and and I struggled a little bit, and you know, yeah, who knows, who knows what it is, but anyway, it worked out for the best eventually in the long yeah. run with both of us. 
sounds like it. I mean, it sounds like you left on kind of fairly good terms uh, when Ian did uh, depart for the first time. Um, obviously, he resigns as Granton manager in October 2018. And of course, then you're, you're on the lookout for a new manager too in November. Was it hard to reconcile? Was it, was it kind of, dare I say, awkwardness? Was it like, I don't know, like, um, was it just kind of matching of two people, um, entities that want to reunite? No, it, 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 I mean, I, I decided, I don't know when, um, and obviously we had we had Simon Clark, and then I had Robert Back, who's the director of football, and Neil Fry, who last season was on reserve football, came and took over for a few weeks. And you know, Ian's kind of I wouldn't say his face was in the back of my mind. It's like you can't really have a face in the back of your mind, but his his name was kind of you know ringing in the back of my mind. I thought, you know what, it, 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 it was all wrong, really. You know, I thought the way you know it should never have happened, and uh, we need to we needed to reverse out of it. And then we went to Buxton. Um, uh, in a trophy game, we were two 0 up. They had ten men, and we some I somehow drew it three all. Ten minutes to go, I thought we were two 0 up. I thought, oh, how did that happen? And then I thought, that's that's crazy. And I and I I didn't have a go at Backy. But I said, come on, Backy, how, what, what are we doing here? Well, you know, we can't be you two 0 up with ten minutes to go. They've got they've got ten men. You need to win that game, surely. And and um, and Backy kind of also, I could see that he had perhaps felt that their club had gone, yeah, he, 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 he had done as much as he could do for the club and, and he, he wanted to make the, the, the right decision for the football club and felt that Ian was the right decision. So anyway, so I said to Backy, um, arrange a meeting with Ian if you could. And so I met Ian on my own um, in a hotel in Nor near Norwich and uh, we had, a, well, I mean, a long meeting two hours, two and a half hours maybe. And it, were, it wasn't a meeting, it was just a chat really. And we went through everything and tried to, you know, explain where we were. And, and I can't remember what was decided on the night, or maybe nothing was decided on the night, but it, I think he decided to come to the game, the replay against Buxton, which I think we lost. Uh, and, um, and that was it. So that's how it happened. So it wasn't awkward, no, it was, it was, it was we, we got on very well. And, you know, we, we had a nice conversation and, um, about football in general, a little bit about life, a little bit about you know, the families and, about, and a lot about what we'd like to do at Kings Lynn and what I felt where we, could, we, where we could go. And, and I think he was you know, saying what he, wanted, what he wanted to do and how he wanted to progress things. And, and then I can't remember exactly when he decided to come back. I can't remember if it was that nice or whether it was a few nights later. And, and he, but luckily he did. So uh, yeah, I was pleased that he did come back. Also, I mean, just um, Tom may have more questions about Ian, but then um, finally, I want to know really. I mean, obviously, he's Ian Coverhouse has worked under Paul Lambert, as Tom alluded to. Um, Paul Lambert, now growing, growing up in Glasgow as a Scotsman, um, uh, I grew up a big Celtic fan, as you were Chelsea. Paul Lambert won the Champions League with British Dortmund, and that's like massive in Scotland. He's only one of three Scotsmen to do it. Now, does Ian talk about that at all? Like saying, look, I worked under a manager who's won the Champions League. He's kind of button it and listen to what I've got to say. Is he like that? Does he kind of bring that? No, 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 not at all, not at all. No, he doesn't. He, uh, I mean, he'll tell, he'll tell you the odd story, which, which I can't repeat there, his stories, <laughs> but they're great stories. Yeah. Go on. And he has, he, no, no, I can't, I can't. I'll let, you, I'll let him tell them to you. Um, but, you know, you get we get the odd you know great story and and, he, and he's fun, you know, he, he's got some great experiences of course because he's you know he's met a lot of stars you know, big big name stars and played with some stars and you know it was at Tottenham people forget that sometimes for a few yeah. early, at the very beginning um, not that, that goes in his favour being a Chelsea fan but anyway yeah uh, you get yeah. so um, we we yeah he, he he's not like that at all he's he, you know, he's he, he's quite he's quite a he's quite a shy guy actually yeah he doesn't yeah you know, he's he's not um he's not he's not gregarious and bombastic he's just more of a considered he's quite i mean i call him a student of the game you know he studies it he he, re, he reads a lot about it he he understands um i mean one of his heroes is and i don't i can never remember his name um the uh 
the American football you know, um, coach you know, out of the States, the big, the big, the big name coach from years ago. But forget oh, his name. You, you, you'd be telling to me, I probably wouldn't get it. Oh, I'm not, not, I'm not much of an NFL man myself, but maybe Tom knows. I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I can't remember it. And I think if he told it to me, I still wouldn't. It wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> quite click. But, but, but nobody's. But he's, he, no, he's not like that at all. So he's, um, no, he's very easy to get on with, very you know, down to earth and, uh, and, and happy. But obviously, he's, he's, he's worked with some interesting people, so it's given them some great experiences. And I guess he's learned from that what works for him and what, 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 what doesn't work for him. And I think, you know, I think there are different styles. and There's no right style or wrong style. I think you have your style, which, 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 which works for you. you know? And, and uh, it's got the way that works for him. And, it, and if someone else tried to copy it, it probably wouldn't work for them because it's got, they've got their own thing. So, um, but he's, um, next season, of course, we've got a big stage to, to be on and we, uh, we're mostly professional football clubs. And we won't be professional because we, we you can't go from professional to you know, semi-professional to professional overnight because you lose half your team, and we we have to work into that and work out ways of doing it. But um, but we're and also we've got nowhere to train, which is another big problem. But anyway, that's something we're trying to we're trying to put sort out. So, but we'll see we'll see how it goes. I'm sure he's looking forward to it. I think he's going to um, you know relish the challenge, and and I think the players will relish the challenge. And uh, it's 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 great for them to be going to some great stadiums and and, and turning up and giving it a go and. And it's uh, and, and just see what see what comes out and and the, and the fans hopefully will enjoy it and you know they're not, we're not going to win every game but at least at least it will be something to look forward to and you know just just a little bit different yeah so yeah. let's hope we have a good season. Uh, someone else you mentioned um, was uh, Rob Back, the director of football. Uh, how do you think he? How much of an influence has he been on the club and what's your relationship like with him? Oh well. Oh, back is full of rubbish. You got to watch. No, no, no. <laughs> you got to, you got to, you got to be careful of that. Now he's. I, I speak to Backy uh, a couple of times a day. Yeah, normally. Um, not normally. Not always. He's, he's got. I mean, he's got coronavirus again at the moment. He's not, I'm just joking. He's always ill with something. Yeah, and he's gone down this year, this week. I mean, this is at least the third time he's told me he's got coronavirus. He's never had it once. But he's one of those. But he's a. He's a funny guy. I mean, he's a Liverpool fan, so he has got that cross to bear. But apart from that. Um, we, 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 you know, he, he's got the club at his heart, yep. and he, he gets on very well with the manager. Um, he gets on very well with most people at the club, actually. Uh, and what he's good at is, uh, you know, scheming and coming up with ideas and got plans and, yep, longevity of the club, putting, especially with the youth structure, the reserve structure, the under-18s, the under-16s, which we're putting through at the moment, we're just setting up that up at the moment, and and we're also bringing bringing across a lot all sorts of other um uh, uh things the uh, education course and he, and he 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 knows a lot of people in the area so he's very important to the football club because he's also good at um i mean i give him a hard time I, which i shouldn't do uh because but if i you know, if a player gets signed for by another club and it's the players within 60 to 80 miles of king's lynn i want to know why we missed him, and we, I'm not necessarily have missed him, of course. Yep, but I just like to know these. So, but but the thing about Baffy and I is that it's very rare we have a row, but if we do, we make it up in you know 30 minutes. One of us rings the other and says that, yep, normally it's him, of course, apologizing, yep, but occasionally it's me, and then I've done enough and say, so I'm sorry, so it happens to us both. But but you know, he's a he's a good bloke, he's got the club at his heart, and and I think he. Yeah, he he enjoys the position where the club is now and where it's where, how it's growing and how it's moving forward and and he likes to be a part of that. He's very much a team player and um, and of course Paul Bastock, 
yeah. Ian's assistant, you know, it, it, it works superbly, yeah, with Ian, the two of them. Like, they're, they're different personalities, yeah, and Paul being a, I mean, he's a record, I think he's got the world record for goalkeeping appearances, yeah, I mean, ever. he's got more appearances than anyone else. And um, he, he sits there and he's, he's funny and he's amusing and he's quite, you know, outgoing. And so everyone compliments each other quite well. They've all got different, they're all different people and different, obviously are different people, but they're different. They've got different personalities, but they all gel in one, in, in quite a good way. And, you know, the, the, I think the sum of the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. That makes sense. It, it comes together in a, in a, in a kind of, you know, good way. And something else I wanted to talk about was, um, what's your relationship as an owner uh, like with the players? Because uh, as you mentioned, there's a good mixture of experience and youth in the squad. So, um, Obviously, players uh, that interesting personalities to handle. But um, how do you how do you find handling the players? I'm I'm, a, I, I'm lucky that I've got a good relationship there with the players. Um, I speak to some more than others. It's not because they're favourites. It's just the fact you have those relationships. Sometimes you have people ring you up and and, and ask for um, advice. Sometimes other people are much more you know, self sufficient. And so, but we, but I see a lot of them on the bus and we chat. And uh, I don't sit with them, but on the bus but like we chat uh, on an off it as it were and, and talk and um you know they're, they're a good bunch and they are a very good group they don't have a there's no there's no clicks there's no there's no dissent there's those dissenters in the background causing problems they work together and you can see when they come off the pitch that they've given everything that they can give and that's that's what i ask what well, yeah, they if they can do what they do if we get beat we get beat i mean that's just the way it is it's football for you but if we but as long as we've tried yeah and give and and, and, and you know we, we don't come off with um any any um regrets you know and, and say i wish we had done that wish i'd done that as long as we've given it all i'm, I'm happy and, and i i've found that they're um very easy to to you know they're not they're not they're not difficult obviously play the players have got an a lot of people have got impression that players are kind of holy now and all that yeah you know, maybe some of them are i have met the odd person who has been like that but not at all football club i have to say they're pretty they're pretty chilled and cool and um um and i think they all as well are enjoying themselves you know they enjoy playing under the manager they enjoy working with paul they like they like i mean we try and do it we try and put on things as best we can for them so we're staying in a hotel away we try and sort out a room where they can have their massages we try and sort out you know we try and do it as much as we can in a, I mean obviously we, we can't do it like a Premier League club because we haven't got the budget so you know a Premier League club will will fly players down to an airport like Southampton came to Norwich the other day and they oh, that, yeah they, no. they flew down to Norwich and they take a 10 they bring the coach down for a five mile bus journey you know or actually they take them to a hotel when they take them on a five mile bus you know yeah, but that's yeah. just the way it is you know and that's just not not the game we're in so we have to do what we can do and um but I think we do I think they appreciate that we do as much as we can yeah, within the limits and confines that we can and, and and that gives us a good relationship and the only other thing I try and pay them on time all, all the time yeah, so we're never paid late and um, early if possible uh, and, and just do the bits where I can help to put them in a good you know set of mind you know, give them a nice coach to travel on and you know do, do what we can do and um, and yeah they and they really really enjoy playing at the football club yeah um, you can tell what you can tell the the joy at that Warrington game, that Super Cup, how happy they all were. So even the ones like Fraser who are leaving, and it's interesting that Fraser who left away to play for Peterborough, he still comes back and watches you know, when he's yeah. not playing for Peterborough. So that shows you really what it's what it's like. Of course, I mean just going back to the kind of dressing room and go back to the football side of it. Um, of course, so last week we had um, Paul Doswell on. Uh, the current Havant and Waterlooville manager, who's uh, one of the kind of 
more vocal people about the Promote 2 campaign. Um, given the fact you obviously were declared champions on a points-per-game basis, um, what was, what's your kind of view on, on the Promote 2 campaign, and, uh, given the fact you're sitting on top of the mountain, so to speak? Yeah, no, I supported it, and I, and I was behind it, because I... It was ludicrous that they were they were they were for some reason deciding not to relegate clubs in the national league, uh, and they weren't promoting the teams in the in the, the north and the south. But it just seemed wrong to me, and and you know all all, all through the pyramid it, it, that was happening. And then it gets to the national league, and they say, "Oh, well, we're going to stop you." Yeah. And then there was all these conspiracy theories going on. You know, where the guy from Fylde always got a lot of money. Are they going to sue? Well, unless he's going to go to a sports arbitration panel, which will cost him two million quid. Um, he ain't going to win, and even then he's not going to win, necessarily win. Um, so that also, I don't think, is right. I think there should be a, you know, I think that the rate of winning against the FA is something like 5%, which is ridiculous. I think in our courts, it's 50-50, so you can't, you can't have that. But anyway, that's a side, a side issue. But, but I think, um, I, I, I do understand how tough it is. My original view was to promote and not to relegate anyone. Uh, that, I felt, was fairer. But Equally, if, if you get to the stage where you are going to relegate, and, and there were clubs not playing games on the last game of the season, on the last Saturday, and I thought that was wrong of them. So that, I don't follow everything that everyone says all the time, but I, but overall, there has to be a second promotion spot. It had to be for the playoffs. If it wasn't for the playoffs, then they needed to promote the second team. Because that's the way, that's the deal, isn't it? So I feel that was the right thing to do. So I was behind it. I spoke to on. on you know, my little podcast, I put in uh, Tre- Trevor from Haventon and we had a chat with him. And, and yeah, and I, 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 although it didn't affect us, I still wanted the right thing to happen because I think that's important for football. Yeah. And of course, of course, now you're a National League club and obviously we, we second the congratulations again. Um, all the, the, the clubs currently in the playoff positions are going to be carrying out and playing out the playoffs. Who do you fancy to go up to League Two? Oh, in the North, yeah. In the yeah, yeah. North. It's it, it's 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 close, yeah. I mean, if I had to put my money on someone, um, who would it be? I mean, I suppose I could I could make a case for any of them, yeah. But I mean, Boston, I think I think Boston or Altrium, one of those two will do it. Yeah, I mean, York could do it. Um, I mean, York are a professional football club, and they've got more chance in that respect than anyone because they've had all the players probably training and they're fit and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but but if I had to put my money on, on, on you know, I was given a free bet, and I, and I don't mean this disrespectfully to any of the clubs, but I think they, all of them have got a chance. I think Boston or Altrincham will do it. Um, from a personally selfish perspective, Boston would be good because we get to play our game against them still in the um, you know, local derby, which we don't get derbies. You must remember that. Everyone else gets three or four dollars a season. We, we only have one. So it's nice to have that atmosphere. Nice to have a game where we haven't got to travel too far. Um, but Altrincham, I think, are a very difficult team to beat. Yeah. So, um, so I can't, I can't make my mind up between those two. But if I had to put money on one of the two, it'd be one of those two. Yeah. There we have it. The, the nation now knows who Stephen Cleveland, who thinks may get promoted. So yeah. Um, so going now back to Kings Lynn, of course. Um, now in the last couple of hours, um, you were very um, active on Twitter, and uh, we were very excited as to what was go- this was going to be. You've made a big statement signing of Jamar Loza, formerly of Norwich City, of course. Now, that was suggesting to me you're gonna you're not aiming just to survive in the National League. You believe you can be a football league club. Um how quickly, realistically, do you think you can make that dream happen? Well, look, our main thing is to is to survive. However, I think it's the best season probably for and I'm saying this because obviously there could be a lot of things that could go wrong, but it could be the best season ever to be promoted into the National League because there's turmoil out there, there's confusion, there's money issues, there's a lot of clubs with a lot of problems. 
and our cells also have a lot of problems. We're not immune to them at all. So it's not going to be the big free spending days where people will say, well, get in. Well, I say all this, Stockport and Solihull Moors are a different breed to the other, everyone else, because they've got players on big bucks, yep. um, you know, super, super salaries. Um, I like the Stockport manager very much. I do, I do. It's the chap who went for, chap who came and guested at Kidderminster for a while and beat us in one of his appearances, didn't he? I remember. Um, anyway, was at West Brom before, I forget his name. So, um, uh, those two aside, I think there'll be a chance yeah, um, that, that, that clubs who start well could do well. I've got no idea we're going to be in that. Yeah, I mean, I've got to be honest. It's, it's, I think it would be a big ask to be in it, to be honest. But if we can get anywhere near around those playoff places and have a shot, then, then fantastic. But, but the main objective is to stay there. Uh, to go up again another level, it, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a little bit easier and a, little, and a lot harder. You know, it's a little bit easier because there's a lot more money involved and you get given some more money, but equally there's a lot more stuff you have to do for it. So it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. But for me, I always start every season off wanting to get promotion. You know? I mean, that's, that's obviously what you'd like to do. You, like, you want to give it a shot, but equally you've got to be a realist at the same time. So I try and keep my expectations low. That way I don't get too upset. But at the same time, part of you always wants to you know, do as well, well as you can. So um, we'll just have to see how it pans out. Yeah, of course. I mean, obviously you're very, very getting closely geographically with Norwich now. Um, now you've stepped up, up a division. That means you, you step up in class and quality. Will you be looking to strengthen your relationship with the Norwich City or to see if you can maybe get a few players on loan next year or on permanent yeah. contract? The problem we've got is that you're only allowed two players on loan legally from each club. So we had two last year. We had a great player called Archie Payne. Um, yeah. Alfie Payne, even not Archie. Uh, get myself confused. It might be a Freudian slip that one. Um, but Alfie Payne, uh, and um, you know, he, he, he's great, and he's you know, and, and we also had Simon Power, of course, who was great for us and got great pace. And, and, and so, yes, I would like. Um, I mean, I've got a good relationship with Norwich. Ian's got a good relationship with, uh, and and I think that relationship is stronger now because with all due respect from Norwich's perspective, they couldn't give players to a team in the Southern League or the Southern Central League because the drop is too big you know, for, for them and the pitches, etc. So whilst we did have um, Williams, Sean Williams, who was at Northampton, we did have him on loan when he was in the Southern League. It, it, that's the rarity. You don't, you don't get many of those players. So you have to be at a level which a club of Norwich's stature a premiership club has to feel comfortable about loaning new players. And partly that is down to the managers, partly down to your pitch and your facilities and all the rest of it, but it's also partly to what league you're in. So the league position or the league that we're in definitely helps us with, with, with that bond. And I think we've got a, a relationship there, which I don't think we had when I first turned up. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm grateful for them for, for what they've done for our, to our club. Really. I think it's great to hear you're so ambitious to the club. I think the fans especially will really, really appreciate this. I think the question also in the fans' minds will certainly be, given the fact you do have ambitions to reach the, the Football League eventually, um, the current capacity of the stadium at what, in the walks is 8,200. Do you have plans to kind of improve the infrastructure in the club, not just the stadium, whether it be the youth structure, transport links to the stadium, like um, facilities in or around the stadium? The, I think the fans would want to know maybe, um, is that a possibility in the near future? Yeah, I mean, the, unfortunately, I wish the capacity was 8,200. That's where it should be. Uh, but because of health and safety these days, I think they've cut us down to something like 4,007 or 4,800 or something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but we are... Um, I'm, I've actually just commissioned uh, a firm of architects to do a master plan for the club to, pr to produce a uh, document showing what 
where how the club how the stands could be built how we can expand the foot it's very difficult to expand it because we've got a grade two listed park on one side of us which the council don't seem to want me to plough up so I mean, but um i can understand that but but the but the main thing is we what we, we, how we can re, how we can build because obviously if we were ever to make the football league our dressing rooms would fail because they fail, they don't they pass at this level but the football league i think it's 35 square meters each and the away dressing room just doesn't do it and i think the the, the um the refs have got to be a bigger rooms so we'd have to build a whole new dressing room block which means we have to build a whole so, so you see what i'm saying we have to put in seats yeah. and show we but how do we do that and what do we do on top of those things and uh, so that plan is being done, uh, commissioned, and hopefully, well, I don't know how long it's going to take, a few weeks, I would have thought 12 weeks, something like that, to get done, so we can get plans to then give their views on what they feel about it, and then we've got to find a way of funding it, that's the second problem. And of course, the main thing we need is a training ground, because without the training ground, we can't train, um, we have to borrow other people's and it becomes a nightmare. So to do that, we need to get planning, and we also need to find a bit of ground which is big enough. Um, and then they'll get planning on it. All of those things are really tricky. Yeah? Uh, so uh, transport links were okay because we, we're next to the station almost and we've, we've got car parking, so that's, that's all right. Um, and then the youth structure, what we're doing, we're doing a, a, a link with the local school, King Edward School, otherwise known as CARES. We're putting through 16, 17, 18 year olds. We're in the under 19s National Alliance League next season. So we'll be playing some. I, I do know who we're playing, but I'm not allowed to say till next week. I almost was going to tell you today, but I looked at this and it's setting confidential till July the 8th or whatever. So anyway, I can't. <laughs> but um, but some, some, some good clubs, yeah, including a, a league club, um, you know, League Two club is in there as well. So we're playing against it. So, so our, the lads will get the chance. Ian Culverhouse will take some of those training sessions. And then we'll take those lads on those trips. So that'll be a great part of the journey. And then we've got an under-16s team for the first time next season. We've already got a ladies team, which we want to do more with. So our yeah. main problem is, and the other thing we'd like to do as well, is getting a Desso pitch. I mean, Desso's patent's gone. So now we can get a pitch, which is a similar kind of pitch, for a lot cheaper, 250 to 300,000 pounds, which means you can play instead of a million pounds, which is what it used to be. And then you can play maybe 25 hours a week on that for yeah. 10 years, it will last. And that will allow us to do a lot more games at the club. So that's something I really want to earmark and do, but obviously it needs money to do it. So all, the problem with all these things are there's lots of things happening, but you've got to find the money somehow to do it all. And it's obviously you've got to pick, pick, pick which ones you can do. I was just going to ask you, Stephen, um, during this COVID-19 pandemic, it's really shown the division of, uh, of money in football and, and how much money the, the Premier League and, and the EFL have com compared to clubs in the non-league. What do you think needs to change uh, going forward in football to decrease that gap? Um, look, the, the problem is that I don't think the gap... I mean, will it be... The, 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 Grassroots football is a great cheap soundbite, which is what you hear the FA say. You hear a lot of people say, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But in reality, most people couldn't give a you know, couldn't care less about it. It's just it's just something that they'd say we'd like to support it, but but they don't really. I mean, I'm not saying people don't. There are obviously groups that do, and there's money that comes down. But what needs to change is that the academy system needs to change so that youngsters can't be stolen from non-league football clubs for nothing without any compensation going to them. And I think it's, I think it's disgraceful that any any professional football club would actually steal, which is what they're doing, yeah? Uh, yeah. A, a lad, mm. and not want to compensate in some way, at least on, on a sell-on, and at least on a pat, 
pay as you play basis. So if you, you know, they get the first team, they pay them X pounds per game, you know, etc. And I find that wrong. The clean. So I'm not saying all the clubs are like that, but a lot of them are, and that's that's not right. Um, so that needs to change. And I think, you know, there obviously is a lot of money at the top. Uh, and then, of course, the, there's, the, there's the figure of the European Super League in the background. Will that break away, etc.? Could it be, will the elite break from the elite here and become a super elite? Probably, is my opinion on that. That will probably happen. Um, and then you're going to hear a lot more. So, but equally, morally is one thing and legally is another thing. So legally, we, get, we, don't, we don't deserve anything. Morally, I think we do. If, what I would like to happen, I would like each Premier League club to adopt a club at our level. And, you know, not necessarily just give us money, but also help us with a, a pre-season friendly, maybe help us with how we set up our training systems, allow us to come in and see what they do. And I spoke to a guy this week who um, used to be at one of the larger Italian clubs, and he, he's thinking on the commercial side, he's thinking about coming in at King's Lynn um, and in the future, and that would be great if he does. And if, you know, what I said to him, can we replicate what a little bit, not on the same level, but without the zeros, yeah, what Juventus do and do it at Kings Lynn. And, 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 and that's possible. Yeah? And I think, you know, if, 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 and there should be better links, I think, between um, some of these clubs and the smaller clubs. I think it's beneficial as well because there are so many, there, people forget there's a snobbery, and I don't mean this in a nasty way, but there is a snobbery in the Premier League to do with the non-league. Whereas actual fact, they go through how many of the actual players started at some point and played some of their life in the non-league. It's quite a lot of players. And yet they don't want to acknowledge that because it means that their Premier, their, their academy programmes aren't working. And the, the honest truth is they don't work because if you look at the percentage of kids that actually come through and make it, it's tiny. It's, point, it's, 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 it's a tiny percentage. It's not even 2 or 3%. It's yeah. ridiculous. So therefore, why, why are we, you know, why are they going down that route? So, that, so I think we could perhaps you know, there could be a situation where they could learn more, get more of a better network, pick up better kids, pay people for it, yeah, in a roundabout way, work together, and, and everyone would benefit. And I, but but the problem is, is that we're, we're not top of their priority list, and yeah. uh, and we've somehow got to try and become part of that conversation. And, and I don't know how one does that without having a board of directors on various levels who who want to further that as a as an aim. And and I I think there are too many leagues involved as well. So there's there's too many parties, too many chiefs. Yeah? And if there was less leagues, I know it's not possible to do this, but if you think about it, if there was just one league that covered the Premier League all the way down to the National League North and South, everyone, everyone would be singing off the same hymn sheet to an extent. I know that's not possible, but you get the, the gist I'm trying to make the point. I'm trying to make. So it, 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 they just maybe there should be some kind of, I don't know, balancing league, you know, where we all, they all meet up and say, OK, look, let's try and do the right thing here for football's sake. And, 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 and it, it's not going to affect them in a negative way. It, it, and in any, everyone, how many people were like 10 years ago, how many of these clubs had community schemes where they went out and did stuff in the community? You never really heard about it. It didn't happen. But they've done it. Not because they want to make money out of it, but it's a PR thing and it helps them. It tells people that we're doing good here. So why can't that be extended a little bit to, to non-league football? And you know, I, I think it perhaps should be. And maybe, maybe it could come. You know? Do you think there's like a direct correlation between the lack of success on the England international team and, the, the, as you say, grassroots is a buzz phrase. And that's all to me it really is. And do you think there's a direct correlation between the success of the national team? And um, the players that bring through in Premier League, for example, Championship, you don't really see many players like maybe zero point five percent of those who are in a youth academy make it. You know, and do, do you think what do you think should be done about that? Well, I think it all comes back down to the uh, model of training and uh, academies and protecting players because there are no incentives, monetary incentives, for if you take Kings Lynn, 
there's no, there's not that we haven't got an incentive to develop any player that's under 16, under under 18. Really, we, we can only sign them at 17 if they if they've left school and they're working. So otherwise, it's 18. So therefore, where is my incentive? If I know, and I and we are we it, word gets around very very quickly. So if you've got a good player, we have uh, you know Peterborough or someone like Peterborough would be down and they take the kid, and yeah. that would be what happens. And so that's it's just wrong now obviously we've had i mean you know i won't name the club but we have one of our players recently uh young youngster uh contacted by a a a, a league club and they tried to they tried to steal him and the you know the, the father rang me and you know we, he had you know, to give seven days notice so it's not really a big thing but the point which what i'm saying is that the father rang and he they turned them down they think and I believe it's better for the players' education that they actually play for us. And, and instead of playing tippy-tappy football in an under-23 environment where most of it doesn't work, they actually go into the real world and play. You know, for example, you take Sonny Carey last season with us. Uh, he was 17 years of age. Yeah, he started 20-odd games. I, mean, I think it was where he made 20-odd appearances in last season. Uh, and that's the stage for him. This season, he'll probably set it alight. Yeah, next season, someone will come in for him and hopefully write us a check and give him a career in the, in the you know, if we're not in the league, himself in the league. Yeah? And there's nothing wrong with that. So, but that won't happen if he's playing on an under-23 side where they're all technically very good footballers, very good footballers, but not necessarily playing in, a, in, a, in an environment which is going to teach them a lot. Yeah? And you must remember this. Take Nicky Buck, who's at Man United, who's the under-23. Um, so, so he, yeah, he is so competitive, I'm told. If you play him against Tiddlywinks, yeah, he'll kill you because yeah, he wants to win. So he doesn't want his best players going out. Yeah, he wants his best players to be kept at the academy yeah. um, because those players um, make him win games and therefore he wins his bit. So you've got a club within a club. Now, this season, they're taking his claws, you know, prizing a few of them away and sending them out on loan, which I think is the right thing. But I'm not, this is nothing negative against Nicky Buck, but what I'm saying is okay, that's his job. That's what he's got to do is to bring, bring those lads through. But what I'm saying is you've got clubs within clubs and, 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 and it does the manager of the pro club, the, the first team, is he speaking to their manager down there? Not necessarily he is. So therefore there's that gap as well. So, so this is where I believe, you know, the, the national team to answer that in a very long-winded way where it's losing out because A, there's no incentive. And B, a lot of the kids aren't really getting the real game time that they, they that, that they need. When we we both know that there are players in the current England setup, the goalie Tyrone Mings, several others who started and played in non-league football. Yeah, uh, I mean Harry came and dropped down. Yeah, exactly. It's all it's all there. So it's it, that that's that's the problem with it. I I, I think it's a very simple problem. You've only got and the club's job isn't to worry about England. The club's, the club's job is to worry about their club and, and that's their thing. So would Chelsea have played all these players this season if they hadn't had that, that transfer ban? You know, <laughs> they wouldn't have done it. So as soon as it's been released, they go and buy the player. Look, at they've got rid of Aki to Bournemouth. Now the rumour is they want to buy him back. Yeah. Why, do, why do they get rid of Aki? Why do they get rid of De Bruyne? Why do they get rid of Salah? I mean, the list goes on. It's just ridiculous. And, and I think it's... Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just matters. So I think there's a lot there. I think there's a lot that could be changed very easily. There's some very quick, easy fixes if there was the mindset of the people at the top to want to do it. And then, then you've got clubs. Because how many professional clubs are there? Ninety-two. How many non-professional clubs are there in the UK? Yeah, I don't know. Goodness knows, tens of thousands, probably, probably hundreds of thousands. And then if suddenly, if all of those clubs would knew that, and I know some of the clubs aren't interested in making money. They're interested in just bringing players on. They're just like you know, their Sunday teams and all the rest of it. But if those clubs knew that that, that were semi-professional, they could actually 
get something out of it at the end of the day. And, you know, or in the very least, the lad playing for their team, uh, you know, then there is a bit more of a, a desire to do it and a financial case to do it. But, you know, but there is no financial case to do it at the moment. So, there we go. Um, I was going to mention it's about um, also the apparently BT Sport were looking at broadcasting the National League North and South playoff games. If that was to come off, firstly, how beneficial do you think that would be for those leagues? And do you think actually in the future the National League, uh, the BT Sport could broadcast National League and uh, National League North and South games on a more regular basis? Well, I think the, this is a, it's a very loaded question yeah? <laughs> because um, if I was if I had a choice and I was one of those clubs in the, in, in the playoffs, I wouldn't want BT to do it. I'd want to do it myself. Um, because, I, because what will BT pay them? You know? um, I don't know the answer to that question because I've not heard. But maybe they'll pay eight, ten grand a club if they were lucky. You know? 20 grand. So let's, let's look at it a different way. Let's take York as an example. If York were playing at home in the final, okay, I reckon York, worldwide, lots of fans, big, massive club, they must be able to sell 40,000 tickets. Would you agree with that? 40,000? Yeah, yeah. I would think probably 70,000, 80,000. So let's just say 50,000 as an average, and let's say it's a tenner to watch that game. So that's 500 grand. Now, even though they split it, which I think they should do, with the, with the, with the opposing club, and the opposing club would probably sell yep, 20,000 tickets. So suddenly, you've probably got six, 700,000 split between two, half, half the money each. That's a lot of cash. So that's a lot more than the BT deal is going to be. Um, and the cost, the reason you couldn't do this 10 years ago is you, the cost of doing it was very, very expensive. To do it now, you need a camera. I mean, obviously, BT's production is going to be a lot better. And York could spend a little bit of money on that production, three or four thousand pounds, and just make it jazz it all up. But you only need a couple of cameras, which are two, two and a half grand each. And maybe a, 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 you, need, you need a little dongle thing to send it off to a set. But it, we're talking less than three or four thousand pounds to, to put it on but obviously the production quality won't be up to the same standard of bt sports so you perhaps need to bring in a little little something over there but if you're making 700 grand you know you could spend 20 grand on the production and make it really good for that and 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 and, and still making yeah you know, a huge amount of money so i think but but i think the problem is that again that's the deal that won't happen i think if the if bt sport i don't know legally what the situation is if bt sport want to want to want to show it they can they probably have got it in their contracts if they've got any sense so bt needs to make as well so many hours of original programming as part of their like tv licensing and making doing that you know football counts as original programming so it's very cheap programming for them to for them to produce but i would if i was in um you know i i, I wouldn't want it but equally if i was in bt's and i had a position because you know, i was in their situation i would definitely want to do it and i think it would make really good viewing because i think it's very good football with some massive clubs, and I think there'd be a lot of interest in it, and a lot more interest, as you probably would agree with me. I mean, how many of us have watched the football since it's come back with the same appetite as we had before? Yeah, mm. it's just not the same, is it? Mm? Well, yeah, but I think we all agree. Though. I mean, like uh, the intensity is just not there, and I think that's actually affecting the viewing figures. Like, you know, what I mean, I mean, I mean okay, the view, viewing figures might be quite strong, but then on a flip that coin. Are people actually enjoying it, or is it on purely because it's the novelty? Oh, football's back. We've not had it for three months. The starvation of it, you know. But sure. yeah, I'm on your side. If invited on the BT panel, where would you go on to, to commentate on these games, Stephen? If I was invited, yeah, I'd love to do it. Yeah, a bit of fun. Why not? I didn't know there was a panel, but yeah, <laughs> there was. It's, yeah, I think it's. Look, I think BT. I like. I like what they do and what they put out. I think it's. It's, it's great. And uh, 
it, it, it's relatively good value from a consumer point of view as well. Um, and, and I think they'd be surprised at the uptake that they would get on it from their perspective. So I'm only giving you both sides' perspective as, 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 I, as I see it. So um, I would I would think they would they would snap the league's hands off yeah, to, to produce it. And I think it would be a very interesting. You know, I, th- I mean, I I hope that it's that it, that they. From a, from a purely selfish perspective, I hope they do do it because I would like to watch it, uh, both yeah. the games, if, I, if I'm not invited to be on the panel. Which I guess is the panel a live thing or is that a is that a is that a studio job? It would be a live thing if you wanted to be. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah. that'd be a you, pitch side at the game, commentating whatever you choose. I, I certainly go. Gosh, <laughs> <laughs> why not? Yeah. So yeah, and one one more question, and just one final question from me on the kind of football modelling side. Now, um, obviously, as as the chairman of a, of a national league club. It's not rocket science that if you have a strong financial model and it works year on year, you'll tend to be you'll tend to get it right on the bark as well. Now, do you, as our chairman, look to Wigan Athletic, who this week only yesterday went into administration? They were in the Premier League what five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, won the FA Cup seven years ago. Do you look there and think, okay, they benched bark themselves at such a high level? They've tried to get back to where they were. The parachute payments they were ably abetted by parachute payments. Like, do you not not look at that and go, oh my god, like, do we really want to be a football league club if our overheads could be that high? Yeah, I mean, I think their issue, uh, they had a change of ownership. Do you remember when the Premier League, they were under Dave Whelan? He, 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 yeah, he runs a tight ship from what I, under, I don't know him, but I understand he runs a very tight ship and everything goes past him. Yeah? Um, yeah. He doesn't, nothing, everything's sanctioned, it's through him. And then, of course, they got people involved in, I mean, I don't understand how this deal had gone wrong anyway, because it was sold from one company, which is, and then another company in Hong Kong, and they're both, it's the same company or the same beneficial shareholders. I, I don't really understand. It's almost like they're trying to remove it before, before it, I'm sure it will come out in the wash. But I think, I think the problem with football is it, 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 it can change on a sixpence. And the reality is that once the team's crossed the white line, there's nothing you can do about it, as a, as a, from my perspective, as a, as a chairman's perspective. So if, you know, if the results don't go your way, you have some injuries and some games postponed and suddenly the, the momentum's not there, which is what well, our form suffered during the season, our momentum was lost, then suddenly things can go a little bit wrong. And then what immediately happens is the fans stop going and that, that reinforces the, the problem and it makes it worse. Um, so, I, yeah, I think the financial modelling is, is 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 very. It, that's why it's. It is. A, if you look at how many people who are clever, who have made millions and hundreds of millions of pounds and got into football and le- and lost money, uh, that must mean there's something wrong with either them or the model. And I think it's got to be in the model because yeah, or football is a business because they can't be that many people making that many mistakes you know, when they don't make mistakes. And I know people have a passion. Sometimes they buy their own club and they spend the cash because it's their own club. And I always used to have a phrase that you should never buy your own football club for that exact reason. You should you can keep a little bit yeah, detached from it all. But, um, but, uh, but f- frankly, I, I feel that the that you have to be, be sensible and you have to take some guesswork and you have to hope that you've got it right and you have to protect yourselves where you can. Um, so, for example, the COVID virus, yeah. I didn't put in our contracts that we wouldn't pay when the games weren't on, so I didn't anticipate it. So, now why didn't I anticipate it? I couldn't, I couldn't have predicted COVID, but I could have predicted that something would stop the season happening because sometimes that you know, happens occasionally, not very often. It happened in 1939, obviously. <laughs> hasn't happened since then, but, 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 but maybe I should have thought longer and harder. So these are the things you've got, you've got, to, you've got to think and say, okay, so now I've corrected that error. But, it, but of course, it will take a year or two to go through the system before it can actually make a, an effect on players coming in. So you then are left with the old deals. So, that, so it's, it's not as easy as people think to, you know, but, 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 but I think the Wigan deal sounds a mess yeah, and, and not right. And um, 
uh, you know, the board of directors probably had no choice. And I think the championship um, has got so many loss-making clubs. Mm. It, it, it's ludicrous you know, that the amount of money and, and, but equally, I don't think salary caps work. People find a way to get around them. I don't see the point in them. I think it's, and also it stops people who've got tons of money spending it on their club. You know, if you won the Euro Millions tomorrow and you wanted to go and buy your team and pump loads of money into it, why shouldn't you? Um, as long as you can sustain it. Yeah? Uh, I don't see the issue with that. But then uh, it, it, it's hard. So you've got to look through these clubs and say, why, what, you know, why are they? But there needs to be something to stop people losing so much money every week and it, 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 it's it's just it's just ridiculous and not it's just not it's not sustainable in the long run i mean i mean tom and i have discussed this before as panelists on this podcast like i mean how can i like, it's just rank hypocrisy for me basically you've got the premier league who bang on about grassroots as you were saying earlier on pure buzz phrase you know just that, that's all it's just almost like virtue cycling really and like, I mean, but then they then sanctioned a the deal with BT and Sky to pump loads of money into the Premier League. I saw a study by university a few years ago. 11 out of 20 clubs in the Premier League could sustain itself purely on TV money alone and with no gates. Now, a, a unique selling point of the National League is the fact that it's so reliant on community value and really, like community spirit and like uh, fans through the gates, you know, bums on seats, so to speak. I mean, there's not something morally wrong about having this grassroots campaign, but then again, they, they give so much clout to TV companies. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the TV companies are on a, a very state, but dangerous wicket anyway, longer term. Um, because I think what's going to happen, this is only my guess, um, but we, we can reconvene in five years' time. But when the next deal gets, comes up for grabs, I think, I think what the, the Premier League were doing was doing a suck and see job with Amazon, seeing how they got on. And then the reality is, and this isn't probably good for the, for the general football fan like me who wants to be able to pay one subscription and watch everything, yeah. maybe that won't be available. Because going back to our model with York and the BT Sport deal, if you look at Man United, how many tickets could they sell for one match if they were, you know, I, mean, I don't know the answer to that, but how many have they got on Twitter? I mean, millions, isn't it? I mean, several million. I can't remember if it's one or two, but I can't remember what, what, what the number is. But if they, let's just say they could sell five million tickets yeah, to a game, they, uh, uh, which I think is very achievable for Man United worldwide at a tenner ago, that's 50 million. Yeah? So that's 50 million a game. Yeah? So suddenly, uh, I, I, if I was in a TV deal, I could just see Sky being a glorious production house for yeah, the football clubs and work, it, yeah, we'll go the full circle. At the moment, the clubs are working for the football clubs, so the clubs are working for the, for, for the broadcasters, giving them, and now I can see it going the other way around, the, the broadcasters will be working for the football clubs and they'll be controlling the, the media rights. So, so I can see that ending in tears, but of course the problem with that is, is then they, they won't want to share it with the other clubs, and of course the other clubs are what make the smaller clubs in the Premier League, for what we use a better word, they they won't they won't want to be making up the numbers as well, and, and so there's going to be a little bit of. But they could also share some of it. They have a lot more to share. So, so I think I think you're right. I think there's a you know it, you know the, the the fans are an annoyance to most clubs. I mean that's why I've almost you know I thought Chelsea lost its soul a little bit, but they didn't you know they didn't really care about. I mean I remember when we played in Munich in the in the final. Yeah. I I hadn't missed a game in Europe. Since, since we since we were in it, yeah. So since twenty years or something stupid, yeah. And then they said I hadn't been to enough games. The woman on the ticket office, 
I've been to the mall. <laughs> I'm at this one. I've probably been to more games than any other person. And there's probably about eight fans who have been to every single game. And I've been one away from home every single European fixture. And they wouldn't give me a ticket. And, you know, I've got a ticket. But the point is, that's it's only because I, 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 was, I was lucky and had a friend who wasn't going. Oh, to going <laughs> oh dear. But you know the problem? And I had mates who were buying tickets for a grand and two grand outside the ground and finding they were fake. They were, they were fake tickets. So, and that's the problem. But, but could the club care? And I don't mean this is disrespectful to Chelsea, but I don't think the clubs could care. What they care about is, as you say, the big partnerships and the big deals, and they're not—they're not interested in the fans. And I think fans realise that these days, and I—I I, I think that's what's happening now. There is a realisation. I don't think that's true in all clubs, but I think that's true in a lot of the a lot of the clubs. You know, Tom, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I—I I think the way the the Premier League's gone now, I—I—I I, I, I agree with you guys. It's—it's it, gone. In, in a soulless route, and I, I feel like it's it's really sad that the way that non-league clubs have suffered out of it, um, and the, the the worry is 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 the train ever going to stop with, with obviously the the TV money? It's just going to carry on growing and uh, and growing. And I agree what you said, Greg, about the the, the buzz phase, uh, the buzz phrase that they use with um, with, with grassroots. I I just I'm not too happy with the direction modern football's going in and yeah it's it's not something I'm 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 enjoying seeing to be honest and that is a very good example that Stephen's used there the the way that you know you know Stephen has hardly missed a European game and then he can't get a ticket for Chelsea's probably biggest ever game it's it, it, that is a prime example of, of the way modern football's head in my opinion yeah, absolutely and then um, that's kind of why I like it I think the three of us are so so in agreement that the National League is potentially going to be a very, very unique league in the sense that people might look to the National League for their kind of football fix because, like, people will inevitably get... I know people who have defected, like Stephen, from the big clubs to, like, the National League. I've done it myself. So, yes. Well, like I say, Stephen, we've kept you long enough. Um, and we do thank you very much for your time. And um, we do have a few more questions. Um, me, personally, and Tom, have, uh, we've kind of bundled these together. So, for the Kings Lynn fans listening, listening to this right now, um, how would you describe Kings Lynn Town FC in three words? <laughs> In three words, I would say. I appreciate. I put you on the spot, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's fine. Um, in three words, oh, well, I'd say um, we're. Do- I, think, I think it's exciting. I think we're dynamic, um, and I think we're inclusive. Yeah, not bad at all. Not bad at all. That's good, isn't it, Tom? <laughs> yeah. I'll take that. And the final question for me. I mean, Tom, one more, one or two more. But the final, final question for me would: What final message would you like to give to all Kingsland? Town fans, some of whom I'm sure are listening to this. Yeah, look, I, 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 we, we need them to get behind us, win, win, lose or draw. Um, and yeah, well, they, they are, I mean, we have to be a realistic Kingsland, realistic. And look, look, Darlington and Chester, well done to their fans. They've raised, you know, 100 grand each. And our, you know, we, we've raised three or four grand on our, on our thing. And that's a big difference between the two. And obviously, Chester's got a bigger crowd than us. Darlington got similar crowds. And their budgets, you know, you, you get the point I'm trying to make, and they've got, yeah. they made a hundred grand, and we, you know, so how do we fill that gap? We're, we're already that behind before we start. So, but equally, those are fan-owned clubs, and, and and obviously people feel, and I do feel that's the slight thing. Sometimes people think, well, why should I give? Because it's, it's his club, but it's not my club. It's I'm the custodian of the club. I'm not there. Yep, yeah. You can't own a football club. You can't take it to the grave with you. You know, it's just it's just something you, you, you it passes through, and you do your best you can. So. But but today, I'm just giving an example. Today we've got I got a check in the post for 500 quid 
from, I mean, I haven't seen it, but it's come from, a, I've got a call from someone, and they rang me, and, they said, and it came from a guy, I don't think he's ever been to a game, he's 85 years of age, and he said, I wanted to say thank you to the chairman, Thanks. It's not a check for me, but he's saying, please put this towards your budget for next season. Yeah, and uh, he doesn't go to I eighty five, but he says the best, best, best time of my life. And that's when you then you do it for you. See, you have those moments, and you think, you know, to, for that guy to give you five hundred quid, and I don't know his situation, but but you know that's what makes you do it. Yeah, uh, because you think that's, that means something to these guys. So, so we're, you know, I. You know, that's what you do it for. I mean, you get a few people giving you a few knocks here and there, but but that's that's life. You'd have to put up with it. But but there's a general rule. Most fans of Kings Lynn, they're really 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 good guys. They're, yep, and we've got a few girls as well. And they, and they and they are pretty keen to yep, to get behind the club and help us. And you know, the crowds last season, you saw we had the biggest crowd in the league last year against York, four thousand and nineteen. That was the biggest crowd in the league, which is quite something. It's a big statement to make. And I and I, I think we can. The, the crowd's been the club's been starved of success, and it just needs that. You know, we've kicked it into life now. We now need everyone to come and, you know, it's, it's a difficult league to try and, you know, we're not going to get it right every week, but come, come in and, and, and help us. And that, that that's what we need. And, and I think, I hope we get it. There's, there is a sense of excitement around and, it, and it's giving people back that joy, you know, and that little bit of something that, you know, that they didn't feel, that, you know, where they almost are pinching themselves to seeing what they're seeing. Yeah. But to me, it was, it's what it's what we were going to do yeah but but to them yeah they can't they can't always believe what you're seeing yeah and there was no guarantee i was going to get to where i see but i but i felt we've got the right people around and let them do their jobs we would and now we just need the fans to come and you know come and uh really get behind us like they did against york and like they did against you know we had some good games even against boston we had over 2000 and we just need them to come out like that every week and if they can do that we we'll give it a good go and make make, make them proud well, it sounds like Kingsland certainly are on the best of hands uh, with Stephen's support, of course. Well, Stephen, uh, we've got to thank you again for coming on the Not The 92 podcast. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to get an insight into the chairman's mind and the owner's mind. And like, like I say, it's a, it's a passion uh, owning a football club. I mean, as Stephen, you reaffirm, you don't own it. You're just merely a custodian. And um, that, that's what, what, what the fans must remember. So thanks so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much, Gregory. Thank you thank very you. much. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Thomas. Thanks, Gregory. Nice to see you. Cheers. Nice to see you too.